Good morning, everybody. It is great to, uh, to see you all and um, to be here together to worship our God, to sing songs, to remember, to laugh. And I know some of us are going to play a little basketball later on. East region of the Garden State Church. Uh, again, if you're visiting, I want to thank you for with us. And if you are, I am very glad that you tune in be with us. Uh, I too want to thank Andre. Where's he at? There. Great job, brother. Taking us to the cross and um, reminding us Jesus is here to help us finish. What he started, he will help bring to completion. And that's super exciting. I want to thank our worship team. They did a fantastic job as well as we worship this morning. Thank you and uh, our AV team. You know, have you ever, um, have you ever, lateness uh, is going to, it's going to, like, you got the baptistry. He's <laughs> the build. You know, I uh, I think the more um, you think about life, you know, today represents in, in American history that you know people will never forget. And you you think about where you were when those terrorist acts happened and. Uh, New York City, D.C., Pennsylvania, unforgettable. I remember being hired at Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield, and I see the Boxwells are visiting with us today. Yeah. I was hired on um, 9401. And the very next week, I remember being on the 15th floor, and that building in Newark is the highest building uh, in that part of the area. So you saw the Twin Towers clearly. And I remember uh, watching, shocked, what on earth is going on, going back to my desk. And, you know, now phones gone, you know, people are calling back to and one tower is down unbelievable but then i got on the bus and traffic was crazy uh this man who had uh, been in new york city had made it to the other side and he uh he he, he had you know dust on him and, and and he had this shocked fearful look in his eyes and he just kept kind of shaking his head. And, and, I, and I said, sir, I said, are you, you know, are you okay? And, and he just kept mumbling things. And I said, you know, uh, counselors in our church, I, I would love to try to help you out. And, um, but he was numb and just in, in like a seemingly uh, like a trance. And, you know, the trauma he had experienced would help you 
But one of the most profound things that happened was that, you know, some of you know, I've been getting my hair cut since I was 16, and I'm 52. I know you can't tell, but. But I go to, at that time, my barber, his name was Gene, lived in Jersey City. And me and this guy, Rob, would kind of compete to see who could get their name in his appointment book. And so Rob would always beat me and he would just, you know, fill it up. And Rob filled up a year's worth of haircuts. So I had to just take the next slot. So we would see each other, you know, and, and so I go to Gene Cut. I said, man, hey, I said, where's Rob? And that look. Came on his face. So he didn't make it, Ross. I said, what? And you know how that feeling when it's like you know somebody who got haircuts, you laugh, you told jokes, you did, and then they're gone. He planned a year in advance of haircuts. And it made me think about James 14. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to this city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you don't even know what will happen. Yet you won't know, you don't know what's gonna happen one o'clock. I know some of you are thinking it's NFL football. We still don't know if that's gonna happen or not. What is your life? James says, you have missed tears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this and do that. You know, that scripture teaches you and I that our lives are like a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. In other words, life is both uncertain and it's brief. And you know, many of us, we have plans, we are busy. And sometimes we do all of that without consideration of what is God's will. Many of us have visionary goals for our business, for uh. Our, our jobs, for our family, for our finances. Sometimes we don't consider what is God's will. And don't get me wrong, God wants us to work diligently in all of those areas. But the question is, are we considering his will first as we plan and as we do this and as we do that? Because life is uncertain. And you and I, we need to make the most of it while we have it. You know, the title of the lesson this morning is Seek Him. Seek Him, not Him as a song, H-I-M. Seek Him. You know, life 
Life is all about decision making. Every day, multiple times a day. Sometimes we're sure, sometimes we're unsure. Sometimes we're quick to decide. Others of us, you know, we, we can't get enough information before we decide. But in the end, we are where we are because of the decisions we've made. Decisions are like the steering wheel or for, you know, back in my day, the joystick. You remember that? I don't know what kids, they don't even have joysticks anymore. Uh, keypad, you know? Which means your, your, your decisions determine your story. So here's the good news about that. You get to decide and I get to decide what story we're gonna tell or what story will be told about us. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people don't learn from bad decisions because they're convinced their bad decision was somebody else's fault. You know, there's a comedian named Flip Wilson back in the day. And I don't even want to yeah, be like, who? Yeah, go look him up. He might. <laughs> but he used to do this spiel where he said, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. <laughs> and he didn't take responsibility. You know, it was somebody else's fault. So as long as you stay away from somebody else, no real change is required on you. You ever been with people like that? You ever heard people talk that way? You know, it reminds me of the scripture in James 1, where the Bible says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You know, it's really amazing because the easiest person to deceive is the person in the mirror. You know, you can't lead yourself if you're lying to yourself. Decide our way into a better future. We have to develop uncomfortable habit of telling ourselves the uncomfortable truth regarding why we are choosing to do what we are choosing to do. So it leads me to this question that I believe is really good because when you ask yourself this question or if somebody else asks you this question, it makes you stop and have to think and deal with something. And here's the question, am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest with myself? 
well, Russ, why do you, why do you say, well, that just, that makes you stop. That makes you have to really look. That makes you have to think. That makes you face yourself. Because believe it or not, we can deceive ourselves. I mean, <laughs> I know there's times I've gone to the, uh, to the doctors and I didn't want to stand on the scale. I didn't want to. He said, Miss Murdoch, how much weigh? I'm about mm, 210. Or you do this one. You stand on the scale and you're like, yeah, that's negative pounds, you know, the shirt and the socks. We're going to take, take three pounds off for that. You know what I'm saying? Why are we so prone to self-deception? Why do we lie to ourselves? Why do we lie to ourselves about ourselves? Why do we talk ourselves into things we later regret. But here's the big thing. Most importantly, how do we stop? That's what we're going to talk about today. So I want to ask you to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 36. Look at lesson or an example of a man who didn't learn his lesson. And see what ended up happening. And then we're going to learn to stop this self-deception. So let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for this time this morning. God, I pray that your spirit will move and guide this message as we look at your word, as we hear what you have to say to us. Please, God, help us get this. Because, Father... We, we want to live the full life. We don't want to be like the man that looks himself in the mirror and forgets. We want to be self-aware. We want to be emotionally intelligent. We, we, we want to be real. And God, we want you only to be glorified through our lives. We love you, God. We thank you. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Second Chronicles 36. Start here in verse 12. Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months and 10 days. He did evil eyes of the Lord. In the spring, King Nebuchadnezzar sent for him and brought him to Babylon, together with articles of value from the temple of the Lord, and he made Jehoiachin's uncle Zedekiah king over Judah and Jerusalem. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, his God, did not humble himself before Jeremiah, prophet, who spoke the word of the Lord. He also rebelled against, uh, rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who made him take an oath in God's name. He became stiff-necked and hardened his heart and would not turn to the Lord, the God of Israel. Furthermore, all the leaders of the priests and the people became more and more unfaithful 
following all the detestable practices of the nations and defiling the temple of the Lord. Sorry. All right. Which had been consecrated in Jerusalem. The Lord, the God of their ancestors, sent word to them through his messengers again and again because he had pity. Because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked God's messengers, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against them, uh, against his people. And there, were, and there was no remedy. He brought upon he up against them the king of the Babylonians who killed their young men with the sword in the sanctuary and did not spare young men or young women, the elderly or the infirm. God gave them all into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. He carried to Babylon all the articles from the temple of God, large and small, and treasures the Lord uh, of the Lord's temple and the treasures of the king and his officials. They set fire to God's temple and broke down the wall of Jerusalem. They burned all the palaces and destroyed everything of value there. Now, that is not encouraging. And, you know, Jeremiah was the prophet at that time. He served as an advisor to a series of kings. Just a little background information that's going on. And so he served as the advisor to these kings who ruled the, the, the kingdom of Judah, these kings' careers uh, would have gone a lot smoother. They would have been a lot better had they listened. But because they didn't listen, uh, they got into a situation. So Nebuchadnezzar was the, you know, grand of kingdoms at that time. And what he did was he said, okay, I just want you to pay a tribute to me and uh, basically a tax, and I will provide you with the military assistance in case anything happens. But remember, you are loyal to me. Well, basically after three years, King Jehoiakim said, I had, I'm done with this guy. I'm gonna go take allegiance with the king in Egypt, and he's going to be on my team, and I'm, I'm going to join his team. So think about this for a second. That would be like the city of Orange, kind of small, declaring war against the United States. That's kind of how bizarre this situation had gotten. So when Jeremiah heard about it, he went to the king and said, what are you doing? You are getting ready to destroy the kingdom. And unfortunately, he didn't listen. Jeremiah said, king, not only is this a bad idea, it is in direct opposition to God's will for the nation at this time. Jehoiakim moved forward, ignored the advice, ignored 
the ways of Judaism. I mean, he ignored everything. So in 598 BC, Nebuchadnezzar invaded Judah, laid siege to it, entered the city, found Jehoiakim, and marched him back to Babylon and added him to his collection. Let me tell you about Nebuchadnezzar. This dude was crazy. Nebuchadnezzar, instead of collecting coins and stamps, he collected kings. So every nation that he would conquer, he would capture the king and keep him alive. And then when he'd have a party at his house, he said, hey, guys, you know what? I want you to see my collection. And out comes these kings. And they would have their hands on the shoulder of the king in front of them, and they would walk around to represent Nebuchadnezzar's power. And they held one another's shoulders because he gouged out their eyes, and they were blind. And so each time he would win a battle, this is what he would do. And each king walked in shame. And again, unbelievable. Second Chronicles chapter 36, the Bible teaches us that Zedekiah was uh, the, the next king to come into um, to reign. And he literally did the same thing that Jehoiakim did. He got tired, he rebelled, but what Zedekiah realized is that after this, there would be no more kings of Judah. It would end with him. God added to the story. If you turn your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5, I want to read something that was really uh, intense. Um, 2 Kings 5, 2 Kings 25. 2 Kings 25. Listen to this. Had he listened, this wouldn't have happened. It says in verse six, and he was captured. He was taken. He was taken to the king of Babylon in Riblah, where a sentence was pronounced. They killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. Then. They put out his eyes, bound him with bronze, shackled him, and took him to Babylon. You know what these guys were saying? Oh, you, you, you're so stubborn, right? What I'm going to do, the last thing you're going to see is your kids die. That's going to be the last in your mind. You know, when you hear like this, you think, man... <laughs> Really? What was he thinking? That would 
I would never get that stubborn. With everything at stake, including the lives of his family, he would not listen. Interestingly enough, it was during this interaction with the stubborn king, Zedekiah, that Jeremiah documented his version of why he and we can be prone to self-deception. Why we too, as so good at selling ourselves on bad ideas, bad actions, in spite of all of the convincing evidence around us, that we could be just like this guy. Turn to Jeremiah You with me, church? Come on now. We're talking about making good decisions, right? We got to learn, right? We got to ask that question. Am I being honest with myself? Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Here's what Jeremiah says, and he's communicating with Zedekiah. Is the seed of all things and beyond sure. the heart, as in every heart, your heart, my heart, my grandma's heart, my granddad's heart. Your, your, your best teacher that you ever had. All hearts are deceitful and beyond cure. But here's something I want you to think about this dishonesty easier deceit. If somebody is dishonest and say, no, that wasn't me. And there's the video clip. And you are. Dishonesty is easy to identify. Deceit. Deceit includes Mixed truths, half-truths, untruths. If our hearts lie to us all the time, it would be easy for us to catch it. But deceit is very difficult to catch. See, Jeremiah says our hearts are deceitful. We don't merely lie to ourselves. He says we deceive ourselves. And he says it's beyond pure. Well, thank you very much. No cure? Wait, this is a permanent condition? We can't outgrow it? We can't uh, mature out of it? Can't fix this? 
So this condition requires some proactive response. Who can understand it? Is what Jeremiah says. Bro, that's a great question. Because I know I can't. See, this is, we've said this at different times. I don't understand why I just said that. I don't know why I did that. I'm not sure why I chose to go there rather than to go here. This is why the person in the mirror is the most difficult person you will ever attempt to lead because they don't tell the truth. Unless you put them in the headlock and you pin them down and you tell them, you go tell me right there. And sometimes, all right, you got me. Right? But they don't tell the truth. So if there's no cure, we never graduate or mature past this. And there's the propensity to deceive ourselves, to talk ourselves into something, to sell ourselves on something. Then what do we do? Well, there is a way to keep our deceitful hearts in check. There's a way. Well, number one, we got to admit it. We have to admit, embrace uncomfortable facts about ourselves. Embrace it. Stand on the scale and look at what it tells you. It ain't lying. That is where I'm at. Sometimes we don't want to accept it. We might have biases that we don't want to admit. Admit. Oh, I got them. I don't like them, but I got them. You got to embrace the uncomfortable fact. Second, ask, what? what does that mean? Am I being honest? with myself, right? Have you ever had that heart to heart with yourself? And you standing there, you know you are being prideful right now. Just go in there and apologize. I overreacted. I was a little hyped up because oh, I thought the Steelers were going to win and then we didn't win. And so I needed a moment before you asked me that question. Sometimes we got to have that heart to heart with ourselves. Ask it. But then the last thing is be curious. What are you talking about here, Ralph? Curi- curiosity will keep an eye focused. What do I mean by that? What can I learn about myself from this situation? You know, when we became Christians, we learned the disciple was a student. I think some of us has gotten out of the practice of being a student. 
because we've been around for 20, 30 years, we've stopped learning. And we have to continue to be a student because guess what? If you're not a student, you can become a critic. Critics look for reasons not to learn from what they don't understand. Critics can tell you all the problems. Backwards, forwards, to the side, to the left. That's what they do. But a student can to learn. A student is always learning. A student faces their ignorance. Yeah, I, was tell, I remember telling uh, Blair Mason how I was insecure in high school and didn't want to look like a dummy in math. Now, I had my two cousins there, and they were kind of helping me out because, well, the one cousin, he, the other one was really good in math. But we, uh, we didn't want to look dumb. We were not a dumb jock. I'm a student athlete. But I keep getting these D's <laughs> and the usual. <laughs> yeah, U's. They used to give out U's back in the day. I don't even do that nowadays. But I was afraid. I got to college. I said, man, bag that. I'm going to learn math. We're going back. And at NJIT, um, listen, you have to pass at least Gillis. And uh, I was like, okay, this, Lord help me. But I remember going back to the basics. And I said, man, I want to learn. I'm going back to remedial math. And I started at remedial. And then I went to algebra. And then I went to trigonometry and geometry. And then, and then it was like, okay, calc one. And I remember being in that class with a determination. I'm not going to do what I did in the past if I don't know. Excuse me. I don't understand it. I know you said it five times. Explain it to me again. <laughs> As a result, C. Hey, oh. <laughs> You gotta be curious. Be a student. Now I would tell my kids, don't settle for the C. Come on, don't settle. We're gonna wrap this up. John chapter eight. So if we admit it, ask it, would be curious then it gets us in the right state of mind. John 8, verse 31, it says, those who have believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth set free. The truth will, the truth will set you free. So if you're afraid of yourself, the truth will set you free. If you're afraid of being chained to the past, the truth will set you free. 
whether we're talking about fears, whether we're talking about fear of the future, fear of failure, fear of rejection, whether we're talking about an addiction or a bad habit, the truth will set you free. Amen? But you know what? The opposite is also true. Dishonesty will imprison you. And if we're not careful, when we're less than honest with ourselves, and I'm talking about being down on ourselves, let's, you know, we're, but telling yourself the truth, owning up to the real reasons you do what you do. When you do that, it brings clarity. It brings perspective like never before. It'll be harder to deceive yourself because you love the truth. Telling the, yourself the truth will empower you to make right decisions. Whether you're a teacher, preteen or a young teen or a college student, the how are you? That's why it's so that whether we're an adult, an empty, whether we're single, married, it doesn't matter. We have to keep asking that question. Being honest with myself, really. Are you here? You know, as we close our service today, we're going to witness a man being free. Amen. Today, Jeremy Boyce, who happens to be the younger brother of Corinne Schwimm, who used to be Corinne Boyce, he Bible with the brothers and the uh, the Visionary Life team, and today, Jeremy has come to make Jesus his Lord. Amen? So, guys are going to want to ask the Visionary brothers to come on down, and the sisters, uh, and Boone is going to uh, introduce them and ask some questions, and then after the baptism, we're going to sing one more song and then we're going to be dismissed for fellowship.